Hello and welcome to the Dicebreaker Podcast. Live! It's, it's the live. podcast you know, but in a brand new shell. Coming to you live from where I live and also where everyone else lives. The Dicebreaker Podcast is filmed in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the studio of the internet, right? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> This is this That's is great. Weird. This is the bits that we normally edit out, mm-hmm. uh, but now everyone gets to see them in all their glory. Uh, <laughs> we are here with the first live Dicebreaker podcast. If you are a normal Dicebreaker podcast listener, you might be surprised that we're live because normally it just comes to you recorded about now yeah. or an hour from now. But yeah. hey, we're trying something new, and it is a podcast that you may recognize some parts of, but we've also rejigged parts of it uh, that we're pretty excited to. <laughs> I thought you were saying "per," so it's hadn't... <laughs> it doesn't work. It's too bad. Oh, showing it to the wrong camera applause. as well. Applause. If you, yeah, uh, viewers at home, please start clapping. Yes, just we clap, can hear it. clap to yourself. Yeah, it, we hear it in our hearts. Right, um, have microphones in all of your homes. <laughs> well, Sarah, this shouldn't We'd like to thank our sponsor, wrong. Google. Uh, cool. Mm, I'm Matt Jarvis. I'm here, of course, with, well, the entire Dicebreaker team as it stands now. Oh, God, Because right. next, next week, week. <gasps> we will have a new member of the Dicebreaker team, which, yeah, we're very excited to introduce you to them. Uh, but that's all we'll say for now, because you'll meet them soon enough. It's fine. You're so mysterious, Matt Jarvis. I know, that's, it's the mystery cast. Such a tease. <laughs> Everything... They always say that about Matt. He's an international man of mystery. That's how like <laughs> marketing works now, right? Is you just give a little tease of everything, yeah. and you it's never actually FOMO. give the yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. You just give them a little crumb, and they're like, "I want mm, more." They're like, "Thank you for this crumb. May I have the loaf?" And you're like, "No, the loaf is for me." <laughs> <laughs> We're not even in introductions yet. No, this is getting uh, worse and worse. I've introduced every myself. Mile. Thank you for joining us here, <laughs> Michael Wills Whelan. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> uh, Alex Lowley's, thanks for being here. Thanks for getting to me eventually. <laughs> <laughs> and Alex Meehan. Yep. Last. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Last is best. And least. Oh! <laughs> this is what's happened now. Lowley's has just become a bully. That was always her <laughs> dynamic in, in the in the Dicebreaker family. She was the older bully kid. <laughs> I kind of feel like I'm the new target, though. This is, Don't this go is in my room, <laughs> man. <laughs> Can I please just have one cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> Why, why are you like a Victorian orphan child? When am I not like a Victorian orphan child? That this is, is very true. fair comment, Matt. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, the bingo call mm. for episode 58, mm, episode in case 58. anyone cares, uh, is 58, make them wait. Which well, uh, I think well, is really appropriate. Oh, oh my <laughs> That's what you call brand synergy. <laughs> Um, also, I, I had a look at the explanation. It's obviously a rhyming call, but apparently players often respond with choo choo Thomas. Excuse me? Try it again and everyone respond with choo choo Thomas, okay? Why? It's episode 58. Make them wait. Choo choo Thomas. Thomas. That it. makes absolutely zero sense. I know. <laughs> if it was like episode 58. <laughs> Make uh, them wait, then I guess. Uh, 
that yeah, would be then good. Get, then Maybe you're yeah. waiting for the train. Um, and it's yeah. Thomas. And it's called Thomas. Thomas the, tr- Thomas the tank engine, yeah. everyone. Thomas is never late. That's part that's of the true. law. No, yeah. that's Gandalf. <laughs> if he's late, he gets decommissioned. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. If, he, if he's late, he gets bricked up in a tunnel forever. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> Anyway, we're here to talk about, well, we're here to talk about board games, but we're also taking oh, something that's a bit new for the Dice Breaker podcast, if you've listened before, is we're, we're playing it a little looser around the edges. Yeah. So as well as chatting about what we've been yeah. playing this week, we might also just chat about the stuff we've been up to. Let's you not know, bury the lead, Matt. Outside we, of we board cut games. out all the boring bits, basically. That's what <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> we, walked, we walked into our virtual... Uh, our virtual boardroom and yep. we flipped the whiteboard uh-huh. and we poked at it with a stick and, Me and said were throwing bean bags to each other. Yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Lodis was uh, shouting choo choo Thomas a lot. That that one didn't stick though. Uh, and we just put a big cross through the word boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And now this is the result. Yeah. Yeah. We had the, the different <laughs> sections of the podcast. Intro <laughs> Boring. Like, Emails oh. finish, and we were like, <laughs> "Take that bit out." It, it feels like you've been injected with like some mega serum. And this is the, yeah. I am super hyped about yeah. this being live yeah. and this being yeah. different. So I'm I just, think I'm just living my hyped life. Yeah, and one of the things is that we we obviously do a stream every week. We do several streams uh, some weeks, but we always enjoy having the audience in the chat. So if you're in the chat, fire questions at us, and we'll answer them as they come in. Because mm. we always appreciate hearing your questions and stuff. But we have to wait a week to. To get to them yeah, so now we let's can be honest guys what's an email who's who's sending emails in the year email. of our Lord 2021 mm. more yeah. like more like uh p-mail am i right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so please uh send in your questions via tiktok wow. and uh what was the like social media bit? was it called like circles the channel four show isn't it there was yeah. like a We'll there be, was a social we'll media be... thing I signed up to that was like, it's like Facebook, but it makes you happy. Oh, and what that meant was there's nobody on it. So yeah. it did make me pretty happy. <laughs> to be fair, so. that would work. Um, it's the, uh, it's the, the only way that we're going to be accepting questions for this podcast is we're going to be entering Twitter spaces and we're going to listen to them via that. It's only oh, fresh <laughs> new media <laughs> that no one uses. Um, mm. Right. Well, um, should we kick off with what we've been playing this week, folks? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Do it. What we what we've been doing? Well, mm, doing what we've been well. playing slash doing, as this dice break of podcast running order document tells me. <laughs> we've still got the Google Doc. It would not be the dice break of podcast about the Google Doc that we yeah. often refer to that no one but us can see. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's all part of the it's all part of the mystique. Uh, well, yeah. Who who wants to dive in? Who's been playing what? Matt. All right, I'll, I'll take as it. As it's the first episode of a brand new era of the Dicebreaker podcast. A whole new world. Exactly that, I think wow. it only makes sense for our fearless leader to uh, to kick things up. A new fantastic <laughs> world. You thought I was done, but I'm not done. <laughs> I, Lolis, I never assume you're done. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I spoke about Ofa a little bit on the the podcast last week so go back to that one if you're kind of you want a fuller discussion but i have been playing more oath mm-hmm. uh, which is the new game mm-hmm. from cole Worley of root fame uh for those who don't know oath chronicles of empire and exile uh, as its full name is it's a little bit like root but not a lot like root so oh. it is a game in which one person is a chancellor of an empire they kind of leave it nicely vague um for reasons that 
I'll touch on in a sec. But one person is a chancellor, and then there are several exiles who are basically looking to overthrow the chancellor. So it's a game about the kind of rise and fall of leaders and civilization and so on. And it is it continues to be a fascinating game, and it continues to be, full disclaimer, a game I have never won. <laughs> uh, I've now played like four or five times, and I'm yet to win a game. Um, I have played mm. with mm. you, Wills and Lowlies. I lost that game. I have yeah. played with my wife several times. I lost those games. And I've played with me and, and our root group, um, which was four of us in total. And I also lost that game. And tell so, me, tell tell the viewers and the listeners. Pray tell. <laughs> pray tell, good sir. Who did win that game? Uh, one Alex Meehan claimed victory in that game. Uh, and it was, so this is one of the incredible things about Oath is that I started that, we were teaching um, the group, including Ian, who had not played. Um, so we, we played for about five hours in total. So we were playing using tabletop sim, so it was taking longer. There were things that interrupted us and so on. Um, it's actually not a super long game. Um, it's a little longer when you learn it. But the thing was that I started as Chancellor. So one of the things of Oath is that you can have different kind of starting objectives depending on how the person won the game before. Mm. So if they win with like a military like dominance, they claim the most regions, they have to start the next game, whoever's chancellor, and hold on to those regions because that's where their seat of power lies. Um, like playing with my wife, she won using the Darkest Banner, which is something to do with secrets. And so she then started the next game with that banner and needed to hold on to it in order mm. to stay in rule. And that's one of the really cool things about Oath is it does feel like a world that changes, almost like a like pandemic legacy, but you don't tear anything up. It is just kind of like it cleverly remixes the cards in the box and into a really world that kind of evolves. Well, right? There's no exactly, yeah, like, yeah. It just goes and goes. Redefined games is kind of procedural, like it's which is really interesting. Um, yeah, we we got so we did, we did a let's play on the YouTube channel uh, of Oath, and uh, and I, I will just apologise to everyone in the chat who uh, who is wrestling with the fact that me and Matt <laughs> went to local comprehensive schools in the three county area, which means that we do not know how to pronounce the words th, uh, which. <laughs> We oath will say and oath. Scythe. <laughs> scythe and oath. <laughs> and prone. <laughs> but um yeah, we uh we did we did a let's play with Cole, who basically took us through like a, a full on tutorial. Mm. Uh, which which some people were not very happy with. <laughs> yeah, so I think actually it's worth saying. So I think the tutorial Cole took us through is the tutorial that comes when you yeah. open the box. Yeah. So when you open the box, it says like, hey, open open this packet first, open this packet next. And it will kind of, the rule book will run you through the first few turns. Mm. And I think that is actually a really effective way of learning to play because it kind of shows you everything you can do. Because the things you can do, it's not like a super long list, but it's the way that those then combine with like the effects of cards on the table and what you've got in your kind of own domain that make things really interesting. Mm. Um, so when I taught Mian uh, and our root gang, um, who it, I have to. It, it was root gang, gang, root gang. What yeah. you gonna do? What you yeah. gonna do when they play with you? Very musical podcast from Lonely there. Um, yeah, you gotta was... freshen this up for the kids. Get more musical numbers in there. <laughs> the kids, they love a musical. <laughs> um, when Matt was teaching us, oh, you did a really fantastic job. I have to say. Um, it was just very, it, it was just like the first time I've played Root. It's just a very overwhelming experience. There's just a lot of 
rules being sort of thrown at you like and, you, and you're trying to all take it in and you're like I have no idea how I'm going to actually translate this into playing a game but then it just comes together about halfway through like the, the playthrough that we had where essentially it's the case of there are just a lot of options there for you uh, and you just don't know what to do to start with but then there are little parts of the game that kind of push you in certain directions just you'll draw certain cards or you have certain encounters that mean that you're like oh maybe this is the most viable way for me to win this game and then things start making a lot more sense because you're like oh I have a direction I can just focus on this I think it is just a case of whoa <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's an interesting game because like you say me and it's it's not as upfront complex as root where you have to learn four mm. games and everyone kind of has like their focus off the bat mm. it's like yeah. you kind of know what everyone's going for it's but in like Oath, the opposite of root yeah it's like, things can change very quickly yeah it's like rather than having that focused right at the beginning and you have to try and absorb everything with that focus in order to have a chance of winning uh, Oath, I think, is a lot more lenient in that regard, where you're allowed to kind of like float from sort of one thing to the other until eventually you set on something and you're like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And now I can, like, I've got the information I need to press forward with this. But there's still, a, you know, a lot of elements that kind of can push you off. Uh, particularly again like a lot of cold early games the other players and how they they mess you up and mm. try and screw you over and um yeah we had a really interesting situation where i was pursuing the darkest secret um because the you get these like objective cards that are randomly drawn they're called visions and they're ways for you to win the game and I just happened to get the vision that's like, you get the darkest secret. I was like, okay, I can work with this. And then I think it was kind of funny because initially I wasn't really doing anything. Was I, Matt? <laughs> I think we had the running joke that I was just wandering around the, the hinterland. <laughs> it sounds like you, me, to be fair. <laughs> like everyone else was getting into fights and amassing their forces and everything. And I was just on a road trip around like the middle of nowhere, like, like Wiltshire or something, <laughs> uh, just sort of messing about. And then everyone was kind of ignoring me. And I was like, I'm, this is fun. I'm fine oh, with it's this. It's always those people that win, though, isn't it? Mm, it's yeah. always, it's always those people those who just people. seem like they're not really pay, like, paying much attention. And then you're just like, wait, when did you get 400 points? Yeah, <laughs> it literally happened like that. I, I, um, I just got this really amazing combination of cards that worked really well with my vision in the sense that I could I could destroy all secrets that everyone had. Oh so what I would do is I would obtain the darkest secret with the secrets that I'd amassed, which meant that I essentially had gotten rid of them for that turn. And then I played this horrible card that destroyed everyone else's secret, which basically solidified my control over the darkest secret. And... Again, it was just like, uh, some of that was luck, just getting those cards. But it was just like, oh, I've got this fantastic strategy. Um, I, I like Oath, you know, Carl, <laughs> that is winning. <laughs> I yeah, it was interesting. So um, 
like I try to spend any more time on this because, like I said, I discussed it last week. I am writing a review, so there'll be a review on the site and maybe on the channel at some point. Um, I've got a lot to say about it because the more I play it, the more I kind of fall in love with it. You are a big Cold Whirly Stan, so I think he, it was, it was he just makes really interesting yeah. games. I think like are they, it's a game where you can see elements of other games in it. You can see a little bit of Root. You can see a little yeah. bit of Pax Premier, which is another Cold Whirly game. You can see a little bit of something like Pandemic Legacy. But it's not, it's unlike a lot of other games that I've played in the way that it, it really puts the, the things in place for you to make. It's the, it's kind of the golden thing, right? Of board games is like often the things that people do around the table are way more interesting than the things they do on the table. Yeah. Like the table is just like a vehicle for fun stuff to happen between mm. friends. It's like it's you having betrayals or you kind of turning on each other. And it gives you enough of that. But it, there's like a framework in place. So, the prime example is um, I was kind of feuding with another one of the players in our group. Um, we were kind of going back and forth over the military victory because that's what I started with. That's kind of what everyone was going for while well, Mian was off sauntering in the hindlands. Yeah, I was. All... Um, <laughs> I so... was in. I was Instagramming my trip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it kept kind of like flipping back and back and forth between us who was kind of uh, in the in the seat to win, and then when Mian got the the vision that allowed her to win with the darkest banner you have to hold it for an entire round and there is as the chancellor you have the option to offer citizenship to exile players so they flip their board over turn all of their like war bands which are kind of like your armies on the board to purple which is the chancellor's color and you then become like a unified alliance that is the most fascinating thing to me about yeah 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 but there's Go on, Matt. It was this is the wonderful thing about it. Yeah, so I I did that because I couldn't get to Mian to basically challenge the banner. So I there was a good chance I was going to lose at the end of the round. So I eventually sweet talked um, our friend into into becoming my citizen. Mm. You have to offer like a use the silver tongue. You, yeah, you you have to agree stuff. Um, <laughs> they don't have to accept. And so we managed to do that. We kind of wrestled the banner away from Mian. Um, because she had the vision, it meant that this other player then couldn't necessarily win with it. So yeah, there was no it was just prevented. Yeah. But the problem was that when someone is a citizen, they can fulfill a different winning objective, which is known as the successor. So if they are a citizen, so they're allied with the chancellor, mm. they can fulfill a separate thing, and that means that they win instead of the chancellor if they are fulfilling that. So then I had to suddenly turn my attention to this other player because then they were going to kind of oust me out of my own seat because I'd <laughs> given them power yeah. and performed. It was kind of like a needs must situation. Yeah. So it turned into this, this really kind of fun thing of we're technically allied. But I don't really want to be allied with you. Yeah. And you can pay to exile people back out. You can basically cast them out of your court. Um, but I didn't have enough money to do that or favor. Oh, as it, was called. it was like something out of game of front. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like I, th- I think. Sorry, man, but I, I, I think the the problem with the Game of Thrones board game is like there is a lot of that sort of like promise of like, oh, it's going to be loads mm. of like dodgy dealings and like you know backstabbing and hushed conversations around the table. But because it all is just war centric, it's just like okay, cool, but like you are just going to take my region because you have to to win. I one thing I really like about the premise of both is that like, yeah, you can just like just you, you could theoretically have a game where all four players are siding with the the person who's <laughs> in charge or whatever but it's then a case of like politics it's not it's not just 
I have more armies than, than you and therefore I win. Like there there are like three or four different ways to win in every single game that you're playing mm-hmm. and like it's always like a different case of of you know what's the most important thing to each player not just what is the thing that every single person around the table has to do to win. Yeah, it's really cool. And so like um I'll wrap up now because we're leading on but like the next time we play uh by the way that the tabletop sim mod which is by later games it's an official mod it's really is good incredible because it saves your what's known as the chronicle and it automates it all so it's scripted oh, wow. so it will remember and we can plug in next time and continue our thing and the world will evolved around the fact that me and one and one with the vision of i think it's vision of faith uh, but one with the darkest yeah. banner so me and will start that game in power of course, man. and the world will recenter around like any uh, regions that me and held, like like any any advisors and any people affiliated with me, kind of get cast out because <laughs> you know they they were on the losing side basically. Yeah. So it it feels really natural, but it it's not overwhelming. Like it's a lot up front, but actually once it's in motion, it's relatively straightforward. It doesn't feel this massive beam off. It just feels like okay, I kind of know what I'm trying to do. I know what I'm aiming for on this turn. You know, and then and then the world reacts to that. It's a really interesting game. Mm. Um, and, and I like to believe that this brave new world that I have I have curated this brave around new faith. World. <laughs> oh goodness, slowly. <laughs> Reprise will be <laughs> will be a better place for everyone to live. Mm. So we'll see how you fare in power. I've it's, helped it's, the people. It's intimidating starting as the Chancellor because everyone's against you off the yeah. bat. It's one of mm. those fun bits. Like Root is one of the games where once you hit a certain point kind of gap and you're ahead enough, everyone kind of starts coming after you. Mm. But this just does it off the bat. Like it makes no, you know, it's not trying to pretend that everyone's kind of on equal footing. It's like the Chancellor starts in power, starts with stuff on the board. And it's up to the exiles to basically just pull them apart in four different directions. But apart from the so, first game, you're only ever in that position because you won the last time. Which exactly. Is really cool. yeah, yeah. So it's like you know that, that whoever the hell is is doing that is the person who is like technically the most recently like, <laughs> a of that. So it's yeah, no, I, I, it's really cool. I think it's really interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing your thoughts. Yes, they that. are. I have a, a lot of them, like I say, but I think on the on the whole, like I am really liking it, and I think I'll continue to play it. Um, we've actually had before we move on to the next question, we had a super chat from Hello on Duke yes, BN. Uh, good morning, DB team. This live Q and A is a great idea. Thank you. Uh, what do you think about the future of board games? Uh, would they become more innovation in some way? And Ooh, that's a big this, question. <laughs> yeah. Very big question. I've uh, I've spoken a lot about it, but I think actually Oath is an interesting one because. I think that it kind of signals the way that I'd like more board games to go, where it's like a legacy game and that it remembers what the players have done from session to session, but there's no wastage of materials. You're not throwing it away. Mm. It feels fresh in that way. And I don't think a lot of games will copy it in the same way that legacy games kind of boomed for a little while. Yeah, it feels but a bit less gimmicky than, than the legacy run, right? Yeah, but I think it's it's a really interesting example of how more and more games are focusing on um almost being more like a netflix series right it's like something you come back to time and time again with friends um to tell a story like more story driven games mm-hmm. um so yeah mm. yeah yeah i think a lot of the talk has been like revolved around like digital things like apps and, and all that kind of stuff but I, I i do think that like innovation in the in the cardboard space should be done with cardboard you know what i mean like i, I feel like if we're going to see 
new and exciting things from um from a tabletop industry then they, they should be done with with like actual tabletop implements you know and i, I think some of the some of the more interesting stuff like because not only does all of those all of those things that we talked about not only are they really cool and that's really interesting about oath but also none of that is like app supported like we talked about the tabletop sim mod and how it does that for you but that like that's all like just things that you do with the cards and it all like is re- it's quite clever because it, it works in like a way where um like it's not it's not just <laughs> rambling it's <laughs> it's not just like uh oh you, you know you're the chancellor now and then we just start the exact same game again like you say like the the most important regions that were in the last level are now like the center so the way that the the board is split up in oath you've got like the capital but obviously the capital has moved because a new person is in charge right so you get all of those things that that make perfect sense in the law um and sort of like still push what the game is trying to do as well and i think that that's the space where i'd like to see more innovation is seeing more like uh smart design ideas rather than like new tech or new gimmicks because it's cool seeing things like keyforge and mansions of madness that are doing interesting new things that weren't possible before but i want to i want to see some stuff that is doing that with the limitations that the board games provide sort of thing so I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things come out. I don't know. I'm I'm in the opposite way. I think I think digital integration is where it's going. Mm-hmm. Personally, like seeing people are hungry for for experiences like Gloomhaven, but I think Gloomhaven still has that huge barrier of it's enormous. It takes forever to set up, and it. it it involves a lot of investment both financially and like you've got to have this group that that come up every night uh, and i think like matt said with forgotten waters for example i think that kind of you know connection of this is a tabletop game you know you're playing it with this book with with this board etc but it has this app to kind of make things a lot more accessible I think that's kind of where board game innovation is going because obviously more people are getting into it, but there is still this barrier of, oh God, how do I do all of this? And I do think apps can can make that a lot easier for people to get into. And I think people want these immersive social experiences that are being provided. And I think it's like an easier way of getting into stuff like RPGs for people who don't want to again invest in something like an rpg so that's kind of where i think things are going and as long as it's done right i i'm excited to see it um yeah i think there's definitely a place conversation has been shared stake your claim to one of these (laughs) (laughs) i think there's definitely a place for like i i know from my personal self i tend to stay away from like app-based games just because like and i think there's definitely a place for them especially when you talk about like heavier games that being like a companion for that like i don't really have a problem with it i guess for me i just like when i play a board game i don't really want to be looking at an app like that for me it's like separating myself from technology for a while mm-hmm. um uh but I, th- I definitely think there's a, a space for that and i think it's um it's it's good that that companies are doing it um i think another thing with board games um we kind of talked about like before how a lot of um uh, especially in the last few years a lot of board games have been like kickstarted and stuff and has allowed like uh more marginalized voices and people who don't necessarily have access to big publishers to kind of create games and it's it's uh it's providing um really interesting like games like there's that um Inspire Isles, which is uh with sign language and um 
there's a you know the like the the wheelchair thing like supplement for D, like things like that um i think yeah the, the fact that there's like a platform for like these other voices to come into the market and to like express themselves and to tell their stories as well and to tell um you know the stories from their point of view as well i think like there's going to be more of that which is great and i'm really looking forward to like all the the stories that i haven't heard yet in board games it's like it's like you know in the air it's like being able to like you know get that information from the from the voices where that information should be being heard from is is Mm. really great yeah i think there is like a sort of there's something to be said about how like board games are one of the easiest things for someone to just start making right because it's like you want to make a video game then first of all you need like some kind of device that you're going to be running that on whether it's like a console that has some kind of like program that you're making games on or it's a pc you need to then start like learning how tools work and learning programming and whilst like all those walls are slowly being taken down in spaces like that in board games if you've got some sheets of paper and a pen you can make a board game right it's like it's it's such a such an open space for for um for innovation and and for people to try new ideas and and they can literally just like write it down and it's good to go because it's it's literally a set of rules it's not doesn't need infinite playtesting or bug fixing or anything like that right but with um you know like when we do see more sort of like app based games like if that became like the standard like 10 years from now or whatever that would be like another another barrier for stopping people mm. from making cool things you know yeah. I'm not saying they should all be like no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I would hate if they were all like that. I think that'd be a lot. Yeah. But there we go. Yeah. Okay. Big um, opinions. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for your question. Should we move on to someone else? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can. For, I, I was like, hey, we're going to chat about things that aren't board games. Then I spoke for like 25 minutes about uh, <laughs> the other things I've been doing. The most game board game there is. <laughs> Here you go. Here's 30 seconds of other stuff I've been doing. I finished Resident Evil 8. I like it. I think parts of it are better than 7. I think some of it isn't better than 7. That's, I started oh. Disco Elysium. I'm excited for it. Wills won't shut up about it, so I had to try it eventually. Uh, <laughs> I've been messing around with Apple Arcade. I really like Song Pop Party, which is just a game where you guess songs. Uh, I've also been playing Taiko Tap, which is like the drumming game. It has anime theme tunes on it. It's good. Um, <laughs> and in there terms of anime, uh, I finished Taiko Ghoul Root A and started watching Yusuke on Netflix, which I like, but I wish it was more historical rather than having robots and like fantastical science fiction elements. There we go. That's my week in 30 seconds. Uh, Alex Lowley's. Hello. Uh, I've been playing a few things actually, but they're all quite different. So uh, those of you who uh, were watching our stream yesterday, you know that we played an RPG called Partners. <laughs> oh, you've still got the audio cue. <laughs> yeah, I had to have it ready. Um, <laughs> um, so that was fun because that was like my first kind of dive into like a storytelling RPG. Mm-hmm. Is that what that's called? Um, it was. It was a lot like i i felt quite bad for most of it because wheels was very much carrying like the team but um and i was kind of only getting the hang of it towards the end but i'm kind of looking forward to like doing more of that and and kind of like getting more comfortable with it but i i enjoyed uh the like the the kind of theme of it and stuff like it was for anyone who didn't see it it was a um we're playing detectives we're playing a wild card and a straight shooter and we were trying to solve the case and along the way we had like different suspects uh and um in the end we solved the case and it was uh great um but i got to sorry 
I had to think for a second if there was something else I wanted to say. Um, but I, I got to like live out like Law and Order is one of my favorite TV shows ever. So I got to live out my like Law and Order fantasy. Um, so that was nice. Um, I played more Gloomhaven Digital. I play that almost every day now. <laughs> I won't talk about that. Um, I'm really I'm still looking forward to them like going out of a beta, uh, which apparently they're supposed to do like this year, it's according to Dicebreaker.com. <laughs> Oh, oh really uh, yeah. i wonder why you'd go to that website <laughs> uh, actually i literally just googled it and it was the top it was the top thing that came up um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh i i played yahtzee somebody yahtzee oh, and we played good. that and i won the first game i lost the second game and then we're like let's stop because otherwise one of us will be sad <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, we played uh, Micro Macro. Uh, I oh, yeah. it's so silly because I had three uh, like cases left. Mm. We played two, so there's just one left. And I was like, <laughs> I really wanted to finish the last case, but the other person wasn't up for it. So um, yeah. And I don't know if anyone else like plays it like this, but um, when I get the first question, I go off on one. Like I'll find the first bit and then I'll just go off. Like and I know like some people will play it like on hard mode where they don't look at the questions or whatever. I think Wheels you were telling me that about that before. But I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm just like because I'm on I'm on a like I'm on something. I just follow it around and I'm like, okay, let's check what the actual questions right now. Um I think I think that is kind of like one of the strengths but also the flaws of that game because sometimes you're like by the time you have read the question, you've kind of spoiled it for yourself because you've mm-hmm. already been like, oh, yeah, no, I saw that like five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so almost finished Micro Macro. And um, I am intending to play a few games over this weekend, uh, including... I, so I've had these like childhood favorites. I am um, I was talking to someone about like, you know, games that inspired me uh like when I was in my childhood, whatever, and uh, I there's game there's two games with well, three games. Monopoly was a big one, which mm-hmm. like everyone's gonna grow on, but like Monopoly was a big one for me growing up. Um, I used to play it by myself. That was it. Uh, when I was younger, though, I also played Enchanted Forest and Labyrinth. Oh, no. uh, so I've ordered them, and they are supposed to arrive today. Oh wow! Uh, today, so I'm hoping to play those over the weekend just to like see what they're actually like because i remember playing them and i remember liking them as a kid but i don't mm. remember really anything about them i feel like you'll so, have one of those moments yeah. where you'll watch a film that you thought was really funny when you were a teenager and you're like yeah you're like oh, oh this is really good <laughs> oh. well yeah i mean they're meant for like four-year-olds so i'm not yeah. having like massive expectations but i just want to dive back into that and um and just like yeah see uh see what it was like and see and just remember like the mechanics and, and things like that um and magic. Now that uh, if yeah. some of you may know, we we uh, did a, a live watch party just earlier today. Uh, we being wheels and myself, where we watched uh, Magic: The Gathering. Um, it, we we got sponsored to watch the uh, Strixhaven College Clash. Yes. Uh, by so Magic sponsored us just for full transparency there, but uh, we basically did a watch. It was kind of like a British Bake Off style, <laughs> British Bake Off style, like. Whoa! Learning about Magic the Gathering. Aoife Wilson was in it. And Aoife was Aoife? in it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. What did she they competed. make a cake with magic They don't make it? a cake. <laughs> it's more, it's the format of Great British. Yeah. Like, oh, not, it's like not that the kind actual of activity. Magic the Reality. Yeah. <laughs> don't lead me but, on there, Wills. Come on. But I enjoyed that so much that I was like, like, and the thing is, um, uh, magic um, actually, or like wizards. Is it wizards or magic? No, it's magic, right? Magic the Gathering is made by Wizards of the Coast. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, they 
um sent me like some they sent me like a load of uh packs of cards and i've just kind of been looking at them a bit overwhelmed like i don't mm-hmm. i don't know where to start but um i think i might crack a few of them open and um and have a go with them this weekend and see where mm-hmm. we're at interesting yeah we we kind of we might i mean we might even play some today but but chase our our sort of uh freelance news writer has been uh goading us into doing friday night magic on arena mm. so we might be playing some of that later as well uh so yeah. that might be a good opportunity for Lodi's to 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 learn some of the some of the ins and outs <laughs> chase is chase is a fantastic teacher i think I it, it definitely helps that, having <laughs> someone who just knows how that game operates and can kind of mm. point out like, oh, here's why you might want to do this, or here's yeah. where you might not want to block with all your creatures, or yeah. You know, play he, these in a certain order. He is an expert at teaching scrubs <laughs> uh, how to be slightly less of a scrub. So uh, I don't I want no scrubs. Scrubs is gonna get get no love from me. <laughs> no, this is your challenge. How many subs can you fit into this podcast episode? Um, but yeah, no, I I have been like. A little bit addicted to magic recently because of Arena, uh, so I'm excited to see what Lolis thinks of it because I know Lolis is very good at games and I know Lolis <laughs> is very competitive, so I feel like magic being the probably the most like try hard, mean spirited card game there is. I think Lolis <laughs> will really enjoy it. <laughs> I, I fear for the day that Alex Lolis like discovers deck construction in magic the gathering because like you would be incredible like coming from star realms Mm. which you are scarily good at like you have a knowledge of how those cards go together with magic i feel like you would create some kind of you would beat the decks that i get beaten by when i (laughs) go up against anybody online and i'm just wiped in a turn well um it's it's funny that you say that because when we watched that uh when we did that watch party earlier um part of it was like they were teaching um like they were teaching Aoife and like some of the other contestants um like about magic and like literally from scratch and when they were like they were doing some like deck build a deck construction at some point and they were talking about like the kinds of cards that you should put in or whatever and i i at the time i was like that's exactly the kind of cards i would choose mm. just based on like star realms as you say because that's kind of like the the main card game that i play <laughs> that's anything similar to to magic the gathering so um yeah i'm interested to see how it would actually fare and if i would get good at it um magic's weird because like people are like i don't know how to play magic the gathering but you've played card games right and they they all have some kind of inspiration yeah but it works it having played card games and then played magic the gathering it does work incredibly differently in terms yeah but saying that the two inventors of star realms were magic the gathering hall of famers and so a lot of their inspiration for star realms came from magic the gathering so i think there's probably a big basis on that i think sometimes you see things and you're like oh oh i know how that works i just didn't know it was called that do you know what i mean yeah because you're like oh i've played with this mechanic before in you know whatever card game it is that i've i've played you know I think I, you, a lot of them you, are based off that, right? Sorry, me. You also have to like acknowledge the fact that magic is really old, and yes. like card <laughs> games have evolved since magic, mm-hmm. but magic hasn't necessarily evolved along with them because magic is magic the gathering that people play magic for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I'm not asking magic to change for my sake. I'll just play something else. But I think it's just going back to a system like that, having played ones, for example, where enemies. Um, you know, there's no block system. Yeah. And like, it just works. Enemies on the board work so much differently. Um, and it just feels different. I think it is, it's very, it still feels really different for me to play Magic compared to like 
Keyforge or Hearthstone or any of the other kind of card games that I've played, when when I started playing Magic, I was like, what do you mean I can't do that? <laughs> <laughs> it is creaking. Like, yeah. <laughs> this podcast will go on for about three hours if, if I was allowed <laughs> to talk about all the things I do not like about Magic. But yeah, like, yeah, no, I think, I think it's not, it's not the, oh, you've played Magic because you've played up card games. I think it's like, oh, right, I've played a better version of this mechanic, but mm. I know yeah. I know what the base route is now and I can be like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. I've got it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's one of the things where uh, Jason Coles, uh, mm-hmm. friend of the site, actually wrote a really good piece on this uh, the other day in relation to Arena, but you can see where there's, the designers clearly want to push that framework out, yeah. but it leads to so much text on cards where they're trying to get different ideas in and different, and it, they still manage that even 25 years later, 20 or almost 30 years later, they're still getting interesting new mechanics in, but they're the cards are having to do all the work because mm-hmm. you can't change that framework, right? It's like so they're having to explain things on cards that have a fixed size text box in a lot of cases, or introduce keywords that you then have to go and look up if you're not the already gets familiar with them. Smaller. Exactly. <laughs> I saw uh, so Titan Uranus in the chat just said Wheels is basically Conan the Barbarian. He hates magic, uh, which is funny, but like it's not like I don't hate magic. Like I, I genuinely really enjoy it, and that makes it even more frustrating because mm. I'm like mm. I really like this game, but who the hell invented milling? Like who? Why? <laughs> why do land cards work like that? Like there, there's yeah. just so many things, and I think the most telling thing, and I said this on a stream at some point, is when you look at games that Richard Garfield has made since Magic like Keyforge and you can see all those things are completely absent because you can tell he was just like I never want to have to figure out how to make land cards less crap anymore mm. like uh, I don't like blocking so in Keyforge you just choose who you want to attack like yeah, all those yeah. kind of things it's just, that to me is like a a mind-boggling thing yeah. when I played Magic I'm like what do you mean like <laughs> I can't choose who I can attack yeah. like what yeah so then you get like th- th- that's one of the big things that you can probably talk about is like because you can't choose who to attack, you then can only remove certain units from the board that aren't that just aren't going to block you because they're sitting there doing something more important by having loads of cards that basically say, no, screw you, you can't do that. So counter spells and destroy this target and all that kind of stuff, which means that the game has become so mean because it's just like you can build an entire deck of cards that just say, ah, no, you suck. Ha, no, go away. Ha, no, you can't do that. And it's just like, oh, all right then, fine, thanks. So, Wheels, have you been playing a lot of Magic this week? I have. Probably? I've also been playing, uh, speaking of card games, I've been playing the second edition of one of my favourite card games of all time, Summoner Wars. <gasps> yeah! Um, which is very, very good. Um, so me and Lolis did a little Let's Play. Lolis, you were really into it, actually, from our, from yeah, our brief I liked it a lot. foray into it. Um, mm-hmm. So we played as... Oh, is it the breakers your faction i think were called versus the cave goblins yeah i've actually got it right next to me uh but this is like a very very uh pretty edition of this game like the art is a lot more modern um if you've seen mm. the art on the original game like it's it's functional but it's super like old fantasy book like bland yeah what was it like, like- 2009 like board games such a long way i think in terms of aesthetic this this is like it's gone for a more sort of cartoony aesthetic like it's it's a lot more sort of like soft edged and bright and colorful which Mm. i'm sure some people won't like (laughs) uh but like i in general i think it looks it looks really nice and i i like a lot of the 
the design design decisions they've made. So like my favorite faction is one called the Fallen Kingdom, which are basically like a necromancery style. Like you know they can bring units back from the dead and stuff, which is good fun. Uh, and they've got that whole system of like you can hurt your own summoner in exchange for doing something, which is really mm. cool because you win the game by defeating the other summoner. So it's like a sort of gambling mechanic. Yeah, like the warlock from Hearthstone. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like Not, uh, yeah. I, I really like those guys. But in the in the original, they've got the bog standard. We look like cultists, and we've got green lighting everywhere, and it's just very like obvious. Generic, yeah. yeah but we're, with these guys, like they've they've still got like vibes of that. But like, sorry for those listening on the audio version, but like you can see this guy, like they've gone for like a fire kind of because they've gone for like hell, like they're 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 literally like devils and stuff, which is really interesting. It's little Nas X down there. It's, yeah, exactly. It's Montero, <laughs> and somebody's like doing a pole dance, but it, it's it's like it's just it's not like a super inventive thing like obviously we've seen like fiery mages before but to see them in that context is really interesting so i I think they've done a really good job of modernizing and revamping the artwork um but more importantly the game which was already fantastic is now even better like there's Mm. so many things that their quality of life improvements and just like little things like you know you don't have to you know, there's there's a system called magic, right? Where you either discard your own cards or destroy the opponent's cards to get the resource that you spend to play new ones. So you have this thing of like, do I keep this card in my hand or do I get rid of it so I can just like spend it on something else? Um, but in the game, like that was physical cards in the in the first edition. So if you destroyed an enemy, you would literally pick up that enemy and put it on your pile. So at the end of the game, everyone had like half of my cards and half of your cards you have to like shuffle them into piles and then give them back and all that kind of stuff but now they've just got like a little counter and stuff like that right and there's there's just so many little things like that that you wouldn't notice unless you played the original game but Mm. are just really really refreshing sites but the most exciting thing is like the the new like faction mechanics are really cool um so my most the one i was most excited about were the polar dwarves who have got like a sort of viking theme to them um, of course you'd love that no not because of the theme because of the mechanics ladies because i'm a dweeb uh so the <laughs> the way they work actually is, i'm a dweeb um, i think you'll find schwing um so the the way they work is you've got like buildings in in summoner wars so you don't just summon a creature onto the battlefield they have to spawn at these things called gates which used to be called walls for some reason which didn't really work very correctly <laughs> but yeah um so you can use them like actual barricades because they're things that people have to destroy to get through. But also you, sp- you use them as spawn points. Um, and with the polar dwarves, they get those, but they also get like uh, like parapets and stuff. Like they, they get other things. So like, for example, they'll get like a miniature wall that's not as strong, but your units can shoot through it. So you can use dwarves like of- buildings. Exactly. So you, you've got like a sort of like uh, um, like defense system. But what's really interesting is like they have loads of spells that move all of those structures around and like hit people with them so you've got like a spell where it's like shift your walls and if it like ends up adjacent it does damage to them so you're like (laughs) they're like grabbing the gates and just punching people with them and stuff which is very cool um they've also got like one of their creatures is this giant ice golem um and it it counts as a creature and a structure so it can only move one space a turn but you can spawn from it so you can move them <laughs> into fun. enemy territory. And stuff. It, there's there's loads of really cool things like that where it's just like you can tell they've gotten really inventive because there were things like that in the original game, but I I feel like they were all in like 
packs that you would have to buy in like mm. in addition to the game itself mm-hmm. whereas now that they've got a chance to revamp it all of those cool ideas are now just straight away in the box and i'm sure they'll have more cool stuff as blister packs and stuff but yeah it's fantastic i'm, I'm gonna do a review so just like matt said you'll hear more about it later but it's really good yeah it's really plaid hat as well right so yeah, forgotten water is like killing it so far since again. they went yeah, independent well again yeah i th- there is there is a case you said of like now they're not owned by a big publisher and they have a bit more choice in what they're doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I played some Arena. Me and Lodi's watched Strixhaven. Um, I've also been playing more um, Arkham Horror with Zoe. We got, we got into a scenario, immediately died. So nice. oh, yeah, that sounds hey. like Arkham Horror. We've got this kind of system now where it's like we get two goes. So if the first one goes horribly wrong, we get a second chance. And if that one goes horribly wrong, then we have to take it. But otherwise, we've got like another chance. But yeah, I we have Zoe has now got a lightning gun, uh, which is absurd. It's like three damage I hit, and it gives you like plus five to your fighting style or something. But it's super expensive. But yeah, it's it's cool and i'm looking forward to seeing it come out and blow something up but we're I've... getting right towards the end of the campaign now so it's getting really hard nice. i feel like that's the thing with like a lot of the arkham horror games is they they take it really seriously the mm. lore and the kind of and then you'll just and then get goofy. these yeah. unbelievable cards and weapons yeah. and items that are just the silliest stuff <laughs> but yeah All that's right. what i'm playing this week nice right speed round let's do this okay oh. so this week, apart from Oath, I've been playing Vengeance Roll and Write, which is a really interesting... See, it's like a spin-off to the Vengeance series, which is kind of a, a game where you just go around brawling with, with bad people <laughs> from, from like, mafia gang and stuff. But in uh, Vengeance Roll and Write, it's a Roll and Write game. So you, like, you have a map uh, on a laminated board and you roll dice and you have to, like, move through the map and you use your dice to do your different attacks and your moves. Uh, and it's really interesting because I think Matt was saying he was worried that it would just be a roll and write game themed yeah. around vengeance, but it really isn't. It's like they've taken the mechanics of vengeance and like tried to translate it into a roll and write. For the most part, it works. We do have a preview copy. And to be honest, the main issue we found is that in the rule book, things are named differently than are named on the boards oh, and the cards. That's a so it's a classic confusing. prototype thing, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> but it, uh, we think it's just because it's a preview copy. Yeah. Like, other than that, it's really interesting. And I think my flatmate and I are going to play more. But uh, I enjoyed that. Um, we attempted to play a game called Excavation Earth, <laughs> which is from Mighty Boards, and it came out this year. Um, it was on Kickstarter. And the theme is really interesting and exciting. It's like you're aliens and you're going down to Earth and Earth is now like a ruin. But it it remains in the form of like these artifacts that you can find and sell on the alien market. So it's like you're grifting and you're there's like a black market and you can do shifty things and you've got the different factions. So the idea of it sounds really interesting. But oh my God, there's so much stuff in it. It's so big. <laughs> And it's just so daunting. It took us yeah. an hour to set up. Oh, God. Um, and there are literally two players, and there are just so many mechanics to it. It's like you've got the whole you find the artifacts thing, but then you've got this whole market mechanic where there's like a population track, and then things sell at a certain price depending on what the population track is doing. And you have to do like actual calculations with the population track to work out how much your stuff is 
why couldn't they just do a this is worth this because this is rarer this is worth this because this is more common what why do you have to also make the selling part complicated it sounds like they're trying to do like a supply and demand kind of thing yeah i was gonna say like i think raccoon tycoon is like a really good example of how that stuff can be digestible but Mm. like so often like saving it's just like it's half the work to just like make the game operate before you even play it nothing turns me off more than that as well it's like they had some interesting things with you can like get your crew members and you can make them envoys. And it's like you could make an entire game out of any of these separate parts. Instead, you've decided to put them all in one game. It's like when they make an album and it's like two sides long and it's just like all these songs on it. And you're like, why did you have to keep this stuff in here? It would have been so much better if you cut it out. I, it's not that I don't like big, complicated games. I mean, like, I've played those and I've enjoyed it. Like, it's just when you make a game that just the rule book is so off putting and intimidating. And like, I have to sit there and try and work out what the hell I have to do with this. It's just really a shame when the idea of it sounds so exciting and, and cool. And then I just try to make me do complex maths. Like, I, I so remember when we first tried Oath in like an earlier version when we were at PAX. And the way that the battles were calculated was using a yeah, ratio changed, right? system. Yeah. And I genuinely, like, they were explaining other rules to me, and I kept looking at that thing like, I'm not, no, I can't yeah. do that. I'm, I'm the not, battles, no. it, like, it can just completely screw some players, like, yeah. me included. I'm just not good at maths, and it, it really, like, that really makes puts me panic. Me... Like... Yeah, I think it's a real barrier to people, because yeah. I genuinely really struggle with mathematics. Like, it's something that my brain... I can't remember what the term for it is, like when it's dyslexia, but for numbers. Dyscalculate, like, I think. Dyscalculate. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So. yeah, uh, yeah it, essentially, I really struggle. Like, I have like panic attacks when people are like, you have to do this complex, like, you know, calculation in your brain. I just can't do that. I get really embarrassed and stressed. Mm. So please don't put that in your games. Just make it's, just. It's, it's not just can you do a complex um, calculation, it's can you do multiple of them? when other mm. people are waiting for you to finish. Yeah. And that yeah. makes it really stressful. It's yeah. like, uh, I'm sorry, so, I, I'm, I can't figure it out. Like, It's a shame because like there were some really interesting elements in that game, but then as soon as I started reading that, it just really put me off, and we mm. literally put it away after spending an <laughs> hour setting it up. Um, and uh, other things I've been doing outside of board games is playing Pokemon Sword, which I actually quite like. It's better than I expected it would be. Uh, Did you catch Lowly's the teapot Pokemon? Sad. Teapot. Um, teapot. There's a teapot oh, Pokemon. It's all very like teapot. British whimsy. Is it, you know what? The teapot one is one of the better ones, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, a, a soccer rabbit. Of, there's a soccer rabbit. There's a Pokemon based yeah. on like, bedpans. Or James Bond lizard. <laughs> is that the one that, that when it runs, it has flames? Uh, I don't know. Skull Bunny is. Oh, yeah. Bunny, yeah. That's in Pokemon about... Snap. I thought mm. you were talking about the teapot. Which is great, by the way. Everyone should play Pokemon Snap. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a lot harder than I expected. It starts off as like baby, baby game. And then you're like, oh, God, like this game is really kicking my butt. Like <laughs> JRPGs, um, though, isn't it? They just get like, unless you're grinding, they just get exponentially harder. Like they just like, yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> it is the case of like, unless you are cultivating a team that can cover these different types, mm. which I don't do because I just. I just play favorites. Uh, guess what Pokemon I've got on there? Full team of Swoobats. Full team of Swoobats. No, I've got one Swoobat. Um, and it's called My Precious Child. 
Um, I also have, you know, the James Bond lizard. Mm. I've called it James well, Pond. Oh god, <laughs> the those games thing were ever. terrible. Um, yeah, I've been playing that, and also I'm really excited about season four of Castlevania coming yes. out. Oh my god, uh, I wish they would continue that show it's it's a shame that it's ending with this season because it feels like it go on a lot longer i feel like it got two more seasons than most netflix shows get yeah so uh, Um, and yeah i mean amazing that they made something so good out of such a thin premise i know i'm not a castlevania fan of like of the the games but the the show just they really went for it that how violent that show is is Mm. incredible like it is really gory but um, I really like it, and I'm looking forward to the last season. And I've also been watching Sex Education, which is really funny. Oh, it's a great and show. Sweet. It's a really good yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just started watching it this morning and just watched like five episodes because I was like, it's "This great. is really good." So <laughs> mm. uh, there you go. All right, uh, let's take some questions before we move on to a very brief news section. <gasps> We've um, made the news. You'll so never brief, guess everyone. the section that we trim down the most. <laughs> um, Rasmus uh, NEM, thank you for your super chat. Says we all know more. We all know Monopoly. Do we I don't all know? know? I, I don't know if I added like an extra break there. We all know Monopoly can be a real downer once the eponymous Monopoly is there. But would opposite Monopoly, Poly Polyopoly, Polyopoly, be good? As in, it doesn't it start? How does that work? I guess yeah, because yeah, I guess everyone starts on equal footing, right? That's the problem. Oh, like, well, no. So what Rasmus poly... is suggesting is someone. Well, uh, what I'm inferring. You is... give them money when they come to your property. No, I was going to say that they many. start with a monopoly. So you start uh... with. Some oh, I see. The goal of the game is to break to the most even. That'd be quite cool. Actually, it's kind of interesting. It's kind <clears> of like. Uh, oh with, yeah, <laughs> yeah, with with the chancellor, right? That's yeah. interesting. I think that there are yeah, there's a lot of interesting games where you all act as smaller buyers, and it's less about just like dominating the market yeah. than it is about making your own niche. Way, but, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I think Monopoly is not great. We'll get onto that. There's a speaking of the new section. Whoa, um, Matt Jarvis, uh, are you steering this chopper towards the news? I am. Hold on. I'm also looking for some questions. I think we had a lot of questions. Um, so I'm trying they're in the to... document, by the way. Yeah, we've. Oh, you're actually sticking them in. Yeah, oh, thank you so much. We've got one here from Major the Tower who says oh, it's a two-parter. One, do you miss your D and D characters from Dungeon Breaker? I'll just open that one up quickly because I feel like this is a yes or no. Um, yes. 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 Yeah. I yeah. love. I really loved more boss. I don't. I will... Yeah. I'm, I didn't really like Fizz, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that it wasn't that like I didn't like the concept. I think I just sort of like lost my way with him a little bit. And by by the end of the series, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with this character. Yeah. So when when we decided that we were going to freshen things up a little bit, I think it was kind of an opportunity for me to go, all right, cool. Let's put this. Yeah. Let's put this character to bed for now, and and, just and for think about something interesting. They might come back at some point in the future. Yeah. Like who knows? Like I think we like. Dungeon Breaker was a lot of fun. Like it had its issues, particularly as we moved to remote, like playing remotely. It yeah. just changes things, right? It like changes the dynamic. Um, and I think like we felt that, and a point the audience felt that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's no point making bones about it. But I think overall, like we had a lot of fun with it, and those characters are fun. And like, if we can find a way to bring them back in a way that feels, you know, like it it deserves to be done, we'll do it. Uh, but the second maybe part... Fizz, you know the way Fizz flies now. Maybe he crashed into a mountain, so he can't come back. And you've placed 
flies and immediately flies into the sun, Icarus style. Uh, yeah. It's like <laughs> Holy Grail and Fear's not appearing in this session. <laughs> he, he returned back to his home planet but was killed along the way. <laughs> My planet needs me. Um, the second part of the question, though, is how do you feel about fan stuff around Dungeon Breaker? Fan fiction, for example, or fan edits? <laughs> Which I find really funny because, like, it feels like, like, it doesn't feel like Dungeon Breaker ever got to a point where fan fiction makes sense in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, we, obviously we're still a small channel. We've literally just started uh, in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, like, it, we we weren't at, like, the, the big, big leagues kind of thing. So the idea of fan fiction, I'm like, really? For Dungeon Breaker? But, like, yeah. I'm kind of interested by it. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised by it, but I... I'm kind of really into it in the sense that uh, I like fan fiction. I think it's a great idea. As long as you keep it to the characters, please. I think that's not the to the people. Like, yeah, please don't main... make fan fiction about us. Please Just... make it about the characters if yeah. you're going to do it. Um, it's respecting that boundary. Boundary, like, yeah. You, know, you can take this, like, like fan fiction for anything. It's like, it's amazing to see your community respond to characters or something you've come up with. Like, that was always and is always one of the best parts of like this job but yeah like just know where that line is drawn like ultimately you know we are we're people the other end of this it's like we we see a lot of the comments like a lot of the good ones a lot of the bad ones mm. like we're people like we have to put up with it and so i think people sometimes forget that because they think that like we're just we're we're more like the like a, a massive yeah exactly yeah. Or like a celebrity who has like layers of PR and separation from that stuff but like we're we're the people on the screen but we're also the people doing the stuff behind the the scenes mm -hmm. as well a lot of the time so yeah I'd also ask if it involves Tim please don't make it sexy I'll like make it sexy. Uh, <laughs> my other, my other I want some raunchy Tim role play. <laughs> My other characters, I'm totally down for it, but Tim is a child in my mind. I can't. I will never forget that session where you just said something. I'm yeah. like, I it wasn't intentional. started crying and then Johnny broke. I managed to break Johnny. And then I think Will started going as well. And we were all just shaking. Because we were all just trying to move crying. along, but we just couldn't let it go. It just caught me. Oh, it just, God. it was one of those things where it wasn't actually that funny or like, like you hadn't done it on purpose or anything like that. It was just the off because we couldn't kind of laugh. Which yeah, made it harder to not laugh. But yeah, uh, Matt Jarvis, yeah, would you like to do a very brief or or me and I'm not sure who's in charge of this. A very brief look into some of the news that you can see from Dicebreaker.com this week or coming up. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, for those who listen to the normal podcast, we've kind of trimmed this down to just a couple of the headlines that we think are most interesting from this week. There's a lot of news on the website, but you can go and read it on the website. You don't need us to read it to you. Uh, yeah. Alex Meehan, kicking off this very brief news section, tell us about this interview you had with uh, Isaac and Lindsay, which sounded yeah. very interesting. So um, early this year, uh, it was announced that Rose Gauntlet Entertainment uh, had been founded by Isaac Vega, who co-designed Dead of Winter, mm -hmm. Forgotten Waters, and Lizzie Road. Uh, and they had formed Rose Gauntlet Entertainment, and their first game is Keystone, North America, which actually hits Kickstarter next week. Very exciting. Uh, and uh, I had a nice chat with them uh, just about what Rose Gauntlet, you know, is up to, what you know, what they stand for, um, what we How can look forward to. <laughs> yeah, tell us. 
uh, and what we can kind of look forward to from the studio. And one of those things uh, they teased is a horror game being created by Isaac Vega. Um, the code name is currently called There Will Be Ghosts. Uh, so it is subject to change, the title. Um, and we don't know a huge amount about it other than that there is a clear intention there that they want to make it frightening. Like they want to try very, very frightening. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Mean's got no time for this. <laughs> I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. I just now I just wait for you to stop. Let the, let the little spinner wind down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So when talking to them, it's funny because apparently uh, Isaac is a bit of a scaredy cat, according to Lindsay. Um, uh, he, he said he hates watching scary things, but he likes designing scary games. Mm. Uh, and Lindsay was like, oh, I think he's good at it because he genuinely makes himself scared mm. and so he knows how to make other people frightened there's there's this interesting thing of like people who make horror content are actually big wusses mm. you know what i mean like there's um have you seen that like interview with junji ito where he's like oh that's creepy to some like really <laughs> mundane thing and it's like you're junji ito you make like horrendous well, stuff. i think isn't it like the thing they say about um like comedy writers, like the best comedy writers don't like, never laugh at their own jokes. Yeah. Because, you know, if you laugh at your own joke, the chances are it's probably not that funny. Mm. It's just so, self indulgent. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder whether horror writers were the same. Because, yeah, Junji Ito has made some of the, like, for, a, for comic stuff, stuff that isn't as visceral as like a film or audio. Junji Ito stuff genuinely creeps yeah, me terrible. out. But I love it. Yeah. Like, you can see that I've got, like, all the, the books translated to English so far. So it's like, yeah, he's uh if if you're looking for something that's genuinely kind of upsetting and weird and twisted, mm. like I think there's no one doing it better at the moment. But this raises an interesting question, um, which has already been put in brackets by Matt Jarvis. Uh what is a board <laughs> game that's actually scary? And like if if you can't think of any, like well, how how does a board game scare you? Because that's I think... like that baffles me. Like what? Like it's cool to have a horror theme, but I've never, I've never played a board game that actually scared me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I think if anything, those moments come more from being unsettled by games like Werewolf, like uh, mm -hmm. Social Deduction, where the line between lying to your friends for real and lying to your friends as part of a game are blurred. Mm. So, like that's the stuff I find my, most interesting in those. Is like. Oh, I'm like I'm genuinely deceiving my friend by saying this. Like it's it's in this game, but I'm lying to them straight up. Like and they're falling for it. Like is this gonna like weirdly erode our trust? There's that. Um... I... Oh, sorry. Go on. go ahead, Louise. I'm just gonna say I think every board game is scary because the thought of losing scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lolies. And <laughs> well, I was just gonna say that. Um... Nyctophobia was the yes. game. Is oh, I've not played it yet, actually. I no. want to play really that so much, and the idea mm. of it actually makes me a little bit scared. The idea is great, but will it be scary? I don't know because, like, mm. yeah, like, you have not played it. I, so that's a really interesting idea. Like, I don't know what, I don't know how you make a board game scary. Like that, that really intrigues me. Uh, so the, that in brackets, <laughs> for the listeners and the viewers, Nyctophobia is a really interesting game. It was like designed by someone who who did they have a relative who was blind? Their or... uncle, yes, Catherine Stipple. Um, yeah, her uncle was blind. 
Uh, and so they were like, oh, how do I make a game that they could play? Mm -hmm. And it just became this horror game where the basis of it is you have to feel the board with your hands. There are like these prongs that kind of come off it and you like feel where you are. Mm. So you're blindfolded when you play mm. and you're running away from like a killer who's played by one of the, the, the players who is not blindfolded. Yeah. So it's just a really interesting, I love games that play with stuff like that. The mm. idea being that you're like in pitch black darkness yeah. in the yeah. middle of the yeah. forest and you can't see anything. Like yeah. And you're trying to find your like friends vibe, and make it back yeah. to the car. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It, it, um, yeah it looks amazing. Um, would that scare me? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think role playing games are much more successful. Why are you laughing? Because uh, no, Will's was dancing. Oh, you're seeing like a Mr. Crab. I thought I said something. I thought I said something funny, and then I didn't realize it. <laughs> you've 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 thought about that Tim moment now, and it's got in your head. Yeah, I'm paranoid. <laughs> um, yeah, I think role playing games have a potential to do that. Like, I know when I've been playing something like Dread before, I've been a little bit like, oh, like, you know, the atmosphere has got to me. Um, I mean, like, I can have fear for like my character mm. in a game like Eldritch Horror or something, but I think it is really hard to. I actually wrote an article about this oh. once um on on waypoint which R that's not our website <laughs> uh, I, know. I think waypoint is back now it's called waypoint oh again. okay because it got... became vice games or something and then they while. realized that that's a terrible name and waypoint's <laughs> yeah. actually a really good name uh about like whether role-playing games like tabletop role-playing games could be scary and it is tough but um yeah <clears throat> 10 candles is a good example um mm. like a game that actually uses like an oppressive atmosphere by having you play in pitch blackness with just little candle lights that go out as the game goes. Mm. Yeah. I think I think you need to get like an, an element of like player immersion, like the blindfolds and the candles and that kind of stuff where the players feel as on edge as they should like as their characters are, you know. Yeah. Um, oh. but there we go. Yeah, for sure. Uh the other article I pulled, uh one from our lovely new support Chase um, Monopoly life-sized oh, is coming <laughs> to London. It wouldn't look. Many things change about the Dicebreaker podcast as we go live. One thing that doesn't change is the opportunity to go oh, Monopoly. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is coming to London. Um, so it's an it's a Monopoly escape room over three floors uh, in the West End. Um, and... I must admit, if there is one feeling I feel about Monopoly, it's wanting to escape from. It. <laughs> well, so here's I'll, I'll blitz through the details, and then we can and then we can go her. Um, so you choose a game piece to represent you, and then you move around like a kind of condensed version of the Monopoly board. And when you <laughs> so the tokens, uh, Chase right here, these tokens are also real people who will help teams keep score, remember rules, and provide hints. So you're kind of just like instead of playing the dog, I guess you've got someone dressed as a Scotty dog oh, or dressed no, as a dog. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, you're just dragging them around. <laughs> this is just a kink thing, isn't it? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and when you when you move on to a property, you then go into an escape room. And you have to solve the like puzzles in there in order to purchase the property. So it's a very odd kind of combination of escape room and, and actual monopoly. Very it sounds weird. like it's mm. one of the is one of the puzzles you have to solve, refusing to compromise of a of a union. Is that one of them, or like lowering, write that lowering here, but... groups' wages or something? Yeah, or just being terrible as a landlord. Uh, as you charge rent um so yeah 
you you do roll a die and you advance around this board. But apparently, so here's the interesting thing. The whole experience will take about 75 minutes, which is approximately a tenth of the length of any Monopoly game that's ever been played. So despite playing a game of Monopoly and doing if escape rooms... If you play it right, it doesn't take that long. You, you are right. If you right, play yeah. it by the rules... If you play it by the rules, people... it's a far better game. People don't play with the whole bankruptcy thing. They're always like, oh, you can take it alone. It's like, well, that's why the game takes eight hours because you keep allowing <laughs> yeah. people to keep playing. Or cash on free parking as well. Also, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Monopoly is better than some people. You've broken the for, game and that's why you hate great. it. Okay. <laughs> but, but hey, you know, if you like Monopoly and you want to go check this out, go check it out. Uh, also, uh, in Chase's story, as he points out, so there'll be the main play area. There will also be a Monopoly-themed bar and restaurant oh. uh, that will oh. sell a range of themed cocktails and a small plates menu along with a Monopoly-themed gift shop. I'm actually kind of upset I moved out of London just before <laughs> surely, this happened. Surely they, they want to contact us for a press trip, right? I mean, Monopoly, if you want to <laughs> wine and dine us. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure after all the positive things we've said about Monopoly yeah. on this podcast, hey, they're chomping at the bit. Hey, Chase wrote the article, right? Where They've gotten what they wanted out of us. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So yeah, uh, it's opening in August, I believe. (gasps) That's my birthday! Oh, well then. (laughs) Team building? I'm going to write to Hasbro. I'm going to write to Hasbro and ask them to let me go. Uh, Hasbro, I'm sure you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Call me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Me being dice breaker. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a little sneak preview of some of the the articles that you can read on dicebreaker.com right now, Matt. Yeah, so other highlights. I'll whiz through these. Uh, so Chase reported recently on the fact that Target over in the US has stopped selling trading cards uh, after recent violence around like the Pokemon trading card game oh, uh, God, and, other, yeah. and kind of just the demand at the moment for trading cards because uh, partly because of COVID, but also because of the skyrocketing value of certain oh, cards. Yeah, that's YouTube. It's, it's wild. End, isn't it? Yeah, there's been like one of the Paul brothers getting yeah. in on it and um, Post Malone buying Magic the Gathering cards. Their stank um, is all over it. Yeah. Uh, Chase also reported on the new Warhammer Age of Sigmar, if you're interested in that. Um, and recently, the the real-life Orlog from Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which yeah. is extremely expensive, and they're only making like 500 copies of it. like Dice and, and some tokens. Dice and some, <laughs> yeah, some bowls. Um, there, we had a piece written by an anonymous contributor about working in a board game startup uh, that is very interesting and important and kind of outlines their experience there, which doesn't sound wholly positive, uh, kind of being behind the scenes on some big Kickstarters. Um, we've got the details on the next Pandemic game, which is another one of the Hot Zone spinoffs. Uh, so it plays in about 15 minutes, but they've put out a version you can play for free. You can print and play it at home. Uh, so if you're interested, you can check it out before it comes out in August, I think. Um, Mian, you reported on the first board game coming out of Darrington Press, which is like the board game publisher founded by like members of Critical Role. Um, so Ukatoa is oh, the yes. is the board yeah. game. Yeah, this has yeah. been my entire Twitter feed for the yeah. past two days. <laughs> so that's also that's got a release date, and you can read some more details there. So head on over to dicebreaker.com and read the latest news. Dicebreaker.com. <laughs> Enough about news. Look at that. A, a lean fifteen minutes, and oh. now we get to do the most exciting part of this podcast, which is the brand new segment that we're introducing. Well. I love you. This week and going forward, you have to name it. (laughs) Well, yeah. So this is part of it. So each week we are going to come up with something different. Like maybe we'll revisit certain ideas, but we're basically going to come up with different silly games that we can play. uh, Sometimes with you, sometimes just among us. 
Uh, and we're, no, we're not playing. No, not, we're not playing Among Us. Um, <laughs> we have. We're not going to name them because we're going to try and invent names live on air because that will go really well. Um, you know why? Why make this easier than it could be? Uh, so this week. Uh, I found this board game name generator, um, I believe created by someone called David Fisher, so thank you, David, that mashes up names from the Board Game Geek database. Um, reading this, it might only go up to January 2013, so it's it's also quite old games, but it mashes up their names to create new names, and we're going to describe what these games that don't exist could be and because i found this i'm going to take credit for naming it and i'm going to call it the board game name game game yeah the board game name game name name game <laughs> the extra it's... name on the end actually sells it for me yeah, when yeah. you say it with that much confidence i'm like oh no yeah no, i'm into this <laughs> okay so so what that's I'm a gonna jingle do... by the way if anybody wants to clip that put some music <laughs> yeah. on that that'd be uh, great so I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of these. Um, I and you Matt, can... Do you think Hello. this would be quite funny if if we all take a turn, uh, and then we're all assigned a name, which we then individually have to try and do the best that we can? Or do you want to make this like a collaborative? Someone says the funniest name, we all try and make a game together. Yeah, let's try and make a game together, but we can do why, one each. Why let's don't we do a, like um like snake oil? And pitch. you have pitched you pitch the game. Oh, that's a really good idea, Loli. Yeah, like let's one. do that. You can tell, look. We came up with the idea. We got about that far, <laughs> and we went. That'll be fun to just discuss on air and work it out. It's as we live, go. baby. Because <laughs> I've got quite a fun name here. Okay, uh, you you shoot because I am trying to look for something that matches any of the ones when we were just messing around with this in our planning meeting, and there was James Mann, which is James Bond Junior. <laughs> Just James Man. James Man. Uh, okay. Your game title, Dicebreaker Contestants, is Nuclear Election. Oh, yeah. No. It sounds really boring and serious. Does it? Yeah. Or does it sound like uh, Crazy Mutants with green slime? Because that's what I'm pitching. <laughs> <laughs> come on, sell it to us, Wills. It's yeah, your game. On. Well, yeah. I, so has anyone played Nuclear Throne, the video no. game? No. Mm. Okay, so uh, that, that's one of those like wackies, like nineties gross out vibe kind of like, like what they called like garbage pale kids, like that kind of vibe to it. Mm. I'm imagining that um, this is maybe it's maybe it's a little bit satirical because it's got the election angle. Maybe you know you can imagine some of the worst presidents from history. Maybe that not that far in history. Uh, and you can imagine them in like like gooey green slimy visuals in a post-apocalypse like comedy environment, and they are now like vying to be the next president of the the new new United States or whatever. Um, it's it, I'm thinking it's like a take that game mixed with the kind of like I mean like snake oil like that kind of like here's why you should vote for me. You draw cards that you have to try and explain away that kind of thing in this weird, goopy world. Goopy. <laughs> goopy like is it, definitely... Yeah. yeah, goopy is definitely... It's it's interesting, me. That is the main sort of I aspect. I'm a big fan of goopy, me. And so. yeah. yeah. In fairness, I do consider most politicians to just be like a load of gunk in a suit. So, <laughs> yeah, that tracks. They're all Krang and Kodos, aren't they? Basically. Um, I've got one here that I really like. <laughs> and I think it's gonna be the basis for creating a fantastic game that we can all enjoy. It's called Calling Chase. 
Oh! <laughs> and what we do is we call him Chase, call him Chase, call him Mr. Chase, call him Chase, call him Chase, come on now. We, we have to try, Matt has to try and get Chase's mobile number for yeah. us. Mm-hmm. And then we just have to try and call him. <gasps> is, it like, various... is it like the thing from when you were a kid and there was that board game where you're trying oh, to get phone. on a date? Dream, dream phone. phone. Yeah, yeah okay. but with Chase. It will be like that, but less you have creepy. To pitch chase an article. <laughs> yeah, no, I like the idea of. A, okay, so you have a stack of cards, and and you have to call Chase to try and get him to like say something, or, or like you have to try and get him to do something. It's like they're getting. Yeah, to... <laughs> there was like a Radio One like thing where they did this, I think. Or it's like a classic prank call thing. You try and get them to repeat back your phrase. But I like this. I think Chase would be game as well. We'd get Chase's Absolutely. consent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we would get him his consent, but it would say we could ring him at, at any point. Mm. So mm. you can wake up at his time at like two in the morning, get on that phone, ring calling Chase. And then you have to tell us I'm calling Chase now. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, okay, give us give us the results when you've got them. I love the idea that from now on, all business with Chase has to be conducted via the phone. But he doesn't mm. know which of it is real dicebreaker business and which of <laughs> yeah. it is us playing calling Chase. Well, exactly. <laughs> so and he has he, to try and yeah, he has to figure it. out which part of it is he actually has to do for work. <laughs> and what part of it is? And then an oh, article no. goes off on dicebreaker that makes no sense, and he's just like, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, an article goes up about a local carrot growing contest, and he's like, I, Oh no, this is. And then we would message and go, oh, ha ha, Chase, sorry, that was part of (laughs) That's my idea. There you go. Some two great games already. I've got one. My one is called The Whole Number. (laughs) 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 Which um, is a dexterity game, kind of, where uh, you've got a board and... um, uh it's like it's like uh you kind of use the actual uh board uh, not the the box of the board game to mm-hmm. play i like those games and uh, there's a hole that's the size of your index finger and you have to put your finger in the hole and try and there's a certain number of something underneath and you have to with your one finger you have to try and figure out how many and then you have to make a guess and it's called the whole number are you being loose in your interpretation of the word numble I'm yes not, I'm not entirely sure what that word no because it's 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 i'm pretending like it's number but also like a nimble number a nimble game <laughs> Like and it's and a whole. Your the finger whole is nimble. Number. Yeah. My, my good sir, your finger is so nimble. <laughs> you have quite a nimble number, my good lord. Yeah. <laughs> is there an actual meaning for nimble? I don't. Don't know. Oh, we're not. <laughs> this is where it turns out to be some terrible urban dictionary slang. I know there's a pie called a nimble pie, which is uh, like made of is like that a humble dinners. pie. A nimble nimble there is one entry uh, in Urban Dictionary. It says, Numble means being totally incompetent at something. Bro, John was really numble when flirting at the party yesterday. None of the See? girls went home with him. And that <laughs> works as well, because I think character. people, the, the objects will be such that it'll be hard to count with just one finger. Well, you would and, hope, uh, yeah. That would... <laughs> And uh, that's like that's part of it as well. There's there's three different meanings, two different meanings for number. 
So it works on like every every scale. Mm. Matt Jarvis, what have you got for us? Uh, I've actually been struggling. I found at one point uh, the mother load of Sticky Panda, which I didn't <laughs> for. <laughs> but I'm I'm going to go for something that's less viable to get us banned on YouTube. Uh, and Why would I'm you gonna, go with that? <laughs> I'm going to go for Hungry Mad Maintenance Man because uh, it's got a nice ring to it. It's like Hungry Hippos, but with Maintenance Men. Well, I think this is the thing, right? It's almost like the way I envision this is it, it's a dexterity game. And there is a maintenance man, uh, and they—he's mad. He's hungry, mad. Mm, yeah, uh, he's hungry. And so there's just like you know, in kids' toys, what's the dentist game where you have to like touch yeah, the teeth and touch- all the oh, crocodile yeah, yeah. teeth and stuff? Yeah, like that. there's like that. There's a big plastic mouth at one mm. end of the board, and Nash you have to flick food items to the hungry mad maintenance man. Um, but in the way, your opponents can place classic obstacles that a maintenance man may encounter. Uh, Please name these classic obstacles, Matt. Uh, Loose pipes. Yeah, loose pipes is a great one. Um, Vents. Wires, yeah. yeah. Uh, Driving laws. Everyone knows that I struggle with vents. Mm, uh, (laughs) Warning the the floor is slippery. Uh, Mm -hmm. Signs, yeah. That kind of thing. All things to do with maintenance of any kind. Um, large screwdrivers, uh, oh, spanners, uh, socket nails. Mm. Yeah, great. That's yeah, a great tax. one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and if you hit any of those, depending on what they are uh, with your food thing, they may do different things. So if you hit a nail, maybe the chunk of delicious BLT sandwich um, that you're trying to get into the mouth of the hungry man maintenance man, it sticks and therefore it becomes a bigger obstacle. Oh. Mm. Whereas if oh. you're yeah, whereas if you hit a cone. Uh, the cones are imbued with magical sentience, so then that chunk of food uh, becomes aware of its own existence. Yes, uh, and then mm. works against you somehow. I don't. I don't like when people just put magic into games. When it's <laughs> okay, I, it's, I, um, I enjoyed it until. Into, into okay, Matt, so it's nano machines. We <laughs> we want a <laughs> realistic experience here. Now yeah. I'm imagining like because you've got the whole like you put you know you you put down these uh, these obstacles. Has anyone played Ultimate Chicken Horse? Yes. Ultimate Chicken <laughs> Ultimate now Lolis. Ultimate Chicken Horse is a is a platformer video game where you make like a level, but then you all make the level harder as you go. Oh. But you have to make it hard enough that you can do it, but you don't think anyone else can. Oh, so it's wow. like you're like gambling on your own ability. So if you've got like I reckon I could bounce my uh my half of, of uh, Mr. Kipling's uh, apple pie off of like a wet floor sign stick it on some tacks that then like slaloms down into the mouth for an ultimate trick shot you know mm, i think I there's like something that. in here we don't yeah. need nano machines that's not they're not ready yet <laughs> okay well i think the the mad aspect comes in in that he's just really angry that he's going hungry mm-hmm. so yeah. every now and then he'll he'll spit uh like a venom at you and that Whoa! will melt chunks of sandwich um wow just violent all your yeah. fingers oh. Yeah. Look, it's hungry, mad maintenance man for mad. for a reason. Like that. <laughs> yeah. that I love the name. Up. It's yeah. very alliterative, which is which is strong. Yeah. It's um, I think it's something that people will remember. Yeah, it's so like, you yeah, just for decades to come. It's like wacky and the SEO tube man. You know, it's, it's <gasps> got that to it. Hold on, hungry, what's it called mad, again? He's maintenance man. He's hungry, hungry mad maintenance man. Hungry, mad maintenance man. I'm gonna buy the the URL. URL. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Please just redirect it to this podcast. It does really uh, cool. yeah. Have you still got up what games were combined? 
into your oh yeah uh mine were uh nuclear armageddon and presidential election so that's kind of a bit on the nose really <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mine was Hungry Fox plus Big Mac, the Mad Maintenance Man. <laughs> what? Big Mac, Big the Mad Mac, Maintenance Man. Let me, man. Uh, let me go on this board like game weekend the TV repair guy? Oh, this is actually a Commodore 64 game, so I guess there are video games in the board game okay. geek. Uh, it's got a 10 out of 10 rating from one person. Uh, let me read this comment. That would I explain... liked this game so much that I started to use Big Mac as a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that's from David Shefford uh, on Board Game Geek. Hey, they call me Big Mac. Thanks, oh, oh, why? What's uh, <laughs> the burger? <laughs> Any reason? Oh, I really like this Commodore sixty four game called Big Mac. So I start calling myself that. Uh, oh, that please. would explain uh, why Donkey Kong Country was in here as well. <laughs> <laughs> what the um, hell? Yeah, I don't know which games made my one because I've refreshed since then, but um. I did find one more that I just had to bring up uh, called Buffy the Vampire Love London. <gasps> <laughs> and love is spelled W-U-V. Ooh. Yeah, so Buffy is now a vampire. Not a vampire slayer, and mm. she loves London. Mm-hmm. I hope you're all ready to um, to to apologize in a moment. Because okay. uh, Tumble Numble uh, th- is... Um, wait, the whole Numble... <laughs> tumble Numble is, sounds great. Uh, <laughs> well, the whole number is based on the hole-in-one and Tumble Numble. And Tumble Numble is a game where you roll dice and they have numbers on them. So uh, it was always going to be numbers and you all doubted me. And <laughs> Tumble Numble sounds like... It's a competition on who can accurately guess what this word might mean. <laughs> <laughs> Tumble Numble sounds like something that Americans think that British people used to describe having It sounds sex. like number wang. Yeah. <laughs> well, number, that's why I chose it. Because I was like, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just make it like number wang. But then as I thought about it, I was like, do you know what? No, I, I can go somewhere with this. Yeah. yeah. Instead Hold of woohoo. Second, I'm onto like, something. Yeah. Would you care for a spot of Tumble Numble? Here we go then. For the live audience here, listening and watching to this podcast on youtube.com forward slash dicebreaker, please let us know your votes. Who Mm. pitched the best board game? (gasps) That's right. Vote now on your phones. Now, lines are still open because this is live. Uh, Remember, we can if you're make watching that joke pre-recorded, then please do not send in a text. <laughs> you may still be charged. Uh, while Sam we're Robinson waiting just for is not lowly. While we're waiting to come in, let's let's read some emails. Emails. Uh, if and also yeah, chat messages if you've got Sorry. a question for the dicebreaker podcast and you're listening to this on catch up you can email us at podcast at dicebreaker.com if you're watching this live hey drop them in the chat and we'll try and read as many as we can uh let's jump back to this document alex lowly's would you like to read this one from Jacob, please? <laughs> Sorry, Mike Jones says Gareth Gates is the winner. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you say from George? Jacob. Jacob. Oh, that one. Oh. Um, do you know that song? John Jacob Jacob Heimer Smith. Nope. His name is my name too. Nope. nope. No? <laughs> no idea. Do you not know that? No, what? <laughs> okay, anyway. That's not the question. <laughs> Jay- yes, that's what Jacob asked. Jay- no, Jacob says within person to person becoming more of a possibility in the near future, which game should we first play after lockdown? Like with friends we haven't seen in a long time or strangers at the bar. 
crokinole, uh, I, yeah, crokinole, 100%. However, I I want to get a big group of people in Happy a salmon. room mm. and play Happy Salmon. I oh. Lodis was there straight away. I, that is the most we can finally touch again game. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That yeah. Glorious. <laughs> yeah. Just, just the like, just skin red from mm-hmm. hours of happy salmon, just yeah. like weeping with joy as you just <laughs> slap them salmon. Yeah. yeah. I've got two. I think mm-hmm. I would really like to play Secret Hitler because mm-hmm. it's one of my all-time favorite games, and I've I've had friends who've played it like online with each other, but it's just such an intense game. I've not wanted to put myself into that situation. <laughs> um, and also in the same kind of vein, two rooms and a boom. Oh yeah, um, oh, that's a great show. Playing yeah. that at UK Games Expo um, in the evening, like in the hotel like lobby, just randomly with people, is was like always the best time. And I I miss it, and I um I really want to play it again. <laughs> so good. That Ooh. would be a great like dicebreaker social at an event thing to do actually yeah like come yeah, to the dicebreaker gang we'll run two rooms in a boom for you <laughs> yeah uh um, me and yeah i mean there's the obvious ones i have a copy of scythe and i've not physically played it yet it's just sat there um you know when i get my copy of root just experiencing those games in in person properly now that i know how to play them uh, and I just really want to play Junkart. Like, I've been oh, thinking yeah. about Junkart forever. <gasps> I love Junkart. Oh, I should buy Junkart. Mm. No, I, I, my friends have a copy. Did you know but, that um, one of the designers who made Junkart is also one of the designers who's, who's making Jungshi? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, that took me ages to realize no that. I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, it's yeah. quite a breadth of uh, content. How have you oh. forgotten this? We played with them. Yeah, no, but yeah. I just didn't no, know, I didn't know designer, that. He or, did or rather, that. I forgot or something. You know. Yeah, I think I think I might have known. Now that you say, it, I feel like I knew that at some point, and maybe I just forgot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Junk art is a really great dexterity, silly game that I just really want to play. Those kinds of games again that you just can't replicate. Uh. Online. Cookie Matt Jarvis in the super chat has suggested that we combine Happy Salmon and Secret Hitler for the mm. ultimate chaos. Uh, I, I think, think it's that like would have if... to be called Secret Salmon because <laughs> it can't it can't be the other one. <laughs> would alliterate Happy Hitler. <laughs> they both alliterate. It's actually really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it really does, doesn't it? Um, I think then the way it works is that the um the uh the fascists can let each other know who they are by doing this oh that's yeah like a secret handshake that's pretty good hold up gang you play happy salmon but whoever is the is the like traitors have those electric buzzer things on their palms Uh. (laughs) oh (laughs) oh boy matt jarvis hello what, what I already play? said, I already said Crokinole, but I think you're right. Like Happy Salmon is the other one that there's just no way to replicate, right? Like even Crokinole, there's a tabletop sim mod, but Happy Salmon, you can't, you just can't. Like it's impossible unless you get like weird VR, yeah, VR, <laughs> VR. Oh, Happy Salmon in VR, could you imagine? It wouldn't really work though because you don't really have limbs. It's, yeah, yeah it's great until you just like you're trying to Happy Salmon with a, the edge of your door frame or something <laughs> and just. <laughs> Was, Happy just... salmon, your cat. Oh. <laughs> that would work. Just nice. Yeah. When I used to have the VR set up, I used to trip over the cat quite a lot. Uh, it was 
not ideal. Mm-hmm. Honey stays out of the way. She's really smart. She's uh, smartest cat in the whole world. One of my favorite <laughs> things about the quest is when you're making like your little safe area, it shows you like nodes where it can detect objects, like a table or something. <laughs> and again, Toto will be sat in the middle of it, just creating, generating this huge <laughs> column of nodes. This large boy. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're coming up to the end of our allotted time for this podcast, Matt. Should we mm. do one last quickfire question and then, and then ring it off? Yeah, let's do... You know what? Let's... Do... Uh, let's continue the tra- the trend this episode of coming up with ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wills, would you like to read this email from George, please? Email. Uh, this is a question from George. It's always a, oh, a beefy one. Hi, Dicebreaker team. Firstly, thank you so much for simply existing. Without you all, I doubt I would have discovered the wholesome world of tabletop gaming and would have missed out on the amazing benefits to my mental health it has afforded me over this past year. Much love and respect. Thank you very much for watching, George. Anyway. A while ago, I was given a card deck of great Shakespearean deaths. It has great artwork, information on the various characters from the works of Shakespeare, and the funny and tragic ways they met their doom. It also has stats associated with each card. Mm. But you guessed it, the gameplay is essentially Top Trumps. Oh. Which is perhaps not the most exciting or engaging game ever invented. Can you suggest any other uses for what is otherwise a very pretty and entertaining deck of cards? Maybe some alternative rules to Top Trumps from George. I think, so Matt, I think I saw this email and it had... Um, some examples, yeah. Example I, did, I did cut it down a little bit. Yeah, uh, there was an example stat and one of them was like uh, woefulness or something like that. <laughs> the stat names are actually really funny. which makes Chicanery. Chicanery. <laughs> I've got an idea straight off the bat. I think they should be used in like a role-playing game. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, in the, like what if you're like, oh, one of my characters is about to die. Okay, quick, let me get one of these cards and this is how... This is, I don't know, or like a role-playing game where people meet meet a bitter end, and then mm. you're like, oh, I can use this as as like a mechanic in that. Like people Reminds have to gloom, draw the card. To be honest, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. They must have done Shakespeare gloom by now, surely. Mike Jones suggests that you use the cards for NPC death generators. That's very good. That's that very good. fun. There is, I, I would like the idea to further Mean's point as well. I like the, there's a meme that goes around in the like TCRG space. You know how there's like you'll you'll post a, a thing of like two things next to each other and someone says, ah oh, yes, the two genders or something like that. There's like you have two stats and then what was it? <laughs> Woefulness and chicanery. <laughs> Basically, lasers good. of feelings. But yeah, or they could be yeah, they could be used to make your character stats. Mm. Yeah. Do it. Uh, Do it. Someone made an RPG. <laughs> oh, the Shakespeare RPG. I would lap that up so you much. Would, you really would. I really would. <laughs> is that like you are a character in a Shakespearean play, though? Or is that like a weird meta thing of you are, you're like Shakespeare and Marlowe writing a play I, and you okay. have to then, like Fiasco e- style? Mm. It would either be. <laughs> Like the the uh, extended uh, Shakespeare universe, uh, the, the so Shakespeare cinematic universe. Yeah, mm, yeah, the yeah. Shakespeare cinematic universe, uh, where yeah, like um, like Desdemona and like Othello and uh, like Iago and Macbeth are oh, the like the parrot from Aladdin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the parrot from Aladdin <laughs> are in are in the same sort of story together. Um, Othello! That's how you should answer the phone. <laughs> I feel like I'm 
talking to people who aren't that into this, so I'm just going to stop. No, I'm, I'm no, you, I'm just vibing. Vibing. Matt. <laughs> Got to make that funny content, man. Um, uh, yeah, there you go. I will say on on a kind of off-topic thing, there's a really interesting game called a PC game called Elsinore, uh, where you play as Ophelia uh, in the like events of Hamlet, but you repeat the events and try and save people from kind of their tragic oh, doom. Right. Oh, so boy. it ends up with almost like Groundhog Day oh, or um, oh, the something brutal. Oh gosh, I can't remember. Sexy it was a really brutal. good. Sexy yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, yeah that's a really good game. game. Yeah. yeah, so it's along those lines, but it's a really good PC game by an really indie cool. studio. So yeah, I would be interested to see like a tabletop game that works like that, where I think someone might have even suggested it in the chat, which probably drew this in my mind, but you are Shakespearean characters that know their own, like they know their part of a tragedy. So they have to try and break yeah. the kind of meta. Oh, that's cool, yeah. yeah. You get free acts to try and swerve away from your doom. I think it was David Leonard Flanagan who, who suggested that, which is a very good idea. Yes, thank you, David. But yeah, there we go. The right. first ever live episode of the of the Dicebreaker podcast, Matt. Yeah, that we was, did it, yeah. and we'll be back, of course, next Friday with another episode of the Dicebreaker Podcast. We'll be back with another segment that we'll probably make up on the spot. And like this week. another person, and yeah, you're right, another person. We have a new video producer joining us next week, who you'll be able to meet very soon. We're very excited. We've already spent some time getting to know them and hanging out and stuff, and they are amazing. So they fit, yeah, very they're, well. They're, yeah. they're like a glove. Yeah, we can't wait for everyone to meet them and for them to meet everyone. But until then, it's been us, the old crowd, the faces that you already know. Uh, let us, hey, let us know what you thought of this live format. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, because if you thought it was terrible... Then we should, <laughs> <laughs> don't want to do it anyway. We're carrying on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But let us know at Join Dicebreak on Twitter. You can find us on Dicebreak.com. You can find us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Dicebreaker. Thank you for being here. Alex Meehan. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Thank you for being here. Alex Lowley's. Pretend this is slow-mo. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, for those listening to the audio version, Loli's swung her head round like a L'Oreal ad, but uh, <laughs> thanks for being here, Wheels. Thanks for having me too. <laughs> I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for listening to the Dust Break Podcast. We'll be back next Friday. Until then, stay safe out there. Have a good weekend and have a lovely day. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.